Hey everybody, and welcome to another new episode of Time Extend. My name is Adam Ismail, and as I am every episode, today I'm joined with the wonderful... Brendan Morrison, and today we've actually got a, a bit of a treat for you. Usually we'd say we've got a featured discussion and then something else, but today we've actually got another brand new racing game to discuss, Adam. We've been spoiled for choice recently. Yeah, uh, it's none other than Seto Corsa Competizione, and this show is coming just a week after we had our podcast on Team Sonic Racing, uh, which was a lot of fun to do, but June is going to be a very busy month for us. Uh, I'm actually off to the Canadian Grand Prix uh, in a couple days after I record this, so uh, I won't have a lot of time to record episodes of the show because I'll be watching Formula One cars go around the track, which is really cool. But uh, to make up for that, we're doing this episode on a set of Corsa right now, uh, which we're really uh, happy to do because we've both kind of been dipping our toes into this uh, into this franchise. I mean, Brendan, you've had a little more experience than I have um, because you've been playing the game in early access, but it's, uh, it's new for me and I'm really enjoying it. How about you? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, I, I picked up the Early Access as one of the first games I actually got when I, I bought my gaming PC purely because I needed some form of racing sim to play and I wasn't actually a massive fan of the original set of course, which I suppose makes this, con- uh, this um, podcast interesting actually, but um, as far as Competizione is concerned, uh, this is pretty much the kind of sim that we've been looking for when you consider our conversations, Adam, like, it's it's very focused, it doesn't try to do too much at all, and you can see that Kuno's really went out their way to replicate the GT3 Blanc Pong series that's based upon, rather than try to tick every box that's available for the racing genre. Yeah, um, and I actually just recently wrote a story for uh, my day job, which is uh, I'm a staff writer at a website called Tom's Guide. Normally I cover phones, but it's a pretty autonomous website, so we're able to talk about anything relatively techy that we're interested in. So I decided to write about Sail Corsa, and um, that's something I tried to express in that article, uh, if you go check it out. And it's just basically like, it, it's just very laser focused on doing one thing, and that is emulating, you know, just obviously fully licensed Blanc Pon GT3 series content and you know just focused entirely around that discipline of racing and that's something that we don't really get anymore um you know back in the day you'd have your Toka race drivers and whatnot that would be a little bit more focused you'd have your games based around BTCC or WTCC or you know the old uh Simbin GTR games that were FIA GT licensed I believe but um today it's everything's a lot more generalist you know Project Cars does I think probably the best possible job you could do trying to cover as many different series as possible but I think it kind of goes without saying it's it's fundamentally impossible to be able to render a single discipline of racing with the sort of attention and care and depth that you could if if like you know to to have so many different disciplines in the game obviously something is going to be a little bit lost somewhere Whereas, you know, Kunos can very much focus on the GT3 style of driving, which is uh, obviously pretty, you know, popular around the world and pretty accessible. You, you know, you have uh, your Pro-Am drivers who are, you know, people who own dealerships and whatnot and just rich, wealthy, uh, well-off guys who aren't necessarily experts still, still able to enjoy themselves on the track. Uh, your gentleman racers. So it, it just seems to be a overall good category i would say to do a game like this in 
Yeah, it's pretty much the perfect motorsport series you could ask for because you touched on accessibility in the real life motorsport and even in the game, like this is a full on proper racing sim, let's not beat around the bush here, but when it comes to the driving, you'd be forgiven for thinking that Kunos have dumbed something down initially because you aren't careening off the track at the first possible opportunity, but this is something that a lot of maybe racing games get wrong in a sense that when you get to drive the racing cars in a game it's always assumed that oh this is when it gets difficult because you've got to keep this incredible monster on the road but in the GT3 series we've got these supercars that would be pretty crazy to drive normally but they've been tuned specifically to drive on these tracks during the Blanc Pound series and as a result like every car just it feels so intuitive to drive right away and that's one of the reasons that I'm, I'm really enjoying myself because it's more about shaving those milliseconds off the lap times and maybe not finishing last every so often rather than uh, you drive a car and you're like right I'm going to have to spend 50 laps getting to know this because whether it's the Porsche, the Nissan or even the Bentley that's in there it all, they, they all have their own individual characteristics when it comes to driving them but they don't feel impossible and I feel that's a huge plus point for the game. Yeah, and you know, it reminds me a lot of what Kaz said uh, in the run-up to when GT Sport came out, which is that real isn't necessarily difficult. You know, yeah. th- to a certain extent, like, yes, I'm sure it's it's hard to drive a racing car at speed and do it very well and do it consistently and not screw up, but we all get in our cars every single day and drive. You know, we're not driving in anger, but we're able to operate this relatively complex machine in a way that doesn't just have us constantly flying off the road so to that end you know being able to get into a gt3 style car which as we said you know is a relatively forgiving kind of race car that's accessible it shouldn't be that hard to at least get through the track without killing yourself you know the challenge comes in terms of obviously optimizing you know your pace and and being able to hit those apexes and breaking points and whatnot and do it properly and and maximize your grip but but just getting around the track shouldn't be a problem and 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 i feel like a lot of uh of sim racing titles over the years have have failed you know they've they've kind of missed out on that and i would even go so far as to say is uh you get some arcade racers these days i feel like are much more hard to drive than than the best simulators we have now like i with the, I don't, it might have been payback, but I'm thinking especially of Need for Speed 2015, where I thought the physics in that game were so wonky, it was way more difficult than any simulator I've ever played. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I think I think developers are starting to understand this. I think they're starting to pick up on it. And the cool thing about Sao Corsa is that, um, although obviously you know the ideal experience is to use a wheel and whatnot, and uh, I have one, but unfortunately my new apartment, I don't really have enough room to set it up. Uh, so I've been playing with the DualShock 4, and the game is, you know, I think I think there's some tuning that they'll probably do um, down the line, because right now you can't even really map all of the buttons on the DualShock to play the game. Like, there's a default mapping, but they don't let you change it, and that's coming in a later update. Um, but even so, I'm surprised that the game does play, you know, perfectly well with the DualShock. Uh, DualShock, I can, you know, I feel like I have control over the car, and, and that's not something that I think we're used to seeing seeing in um a lot of the hardcore pc sims that pretty much just tell you like this is the only way to play the game and this is how you have to do it because like i understand that in iRacing but 
Assail Corsa is still ostensibly if you want it to be, it can just be a totally solitary single player experience, so I like that they give you that choice. Yeah, exactly, and in terms of the drivability of the cars, we talked about how when a game has such large scope, not as much attention can be paid to every individual element, and I think that even applies to like in games like Project Cars 2, the car roster and how the cars handled, because especially in that game, there were some cars I felt drive fantastic, and then there were other ones I just couldn't wrap my head around, and it wasn't much like Need for Speed 2015, ironically, it wasn't because I felt as if it was um, a, a difficult challenge, but rather the car would act in a way I wouldn't expect a car to act, and that issue is bypassed here because there just seems to have been such an understanding for what makes GT3 race cars unique, and it, it's it's weirdly like arcade racery in that nature. Like it almost feels as if most people could pick this game up and drive the cars to varying degrees of success. But it, when you when you were to say give somebody a go of the original Assetto Corsa and one of the mini supercars or Ferraris and that type of thing, it, it can be hard to even make it round one high speed corner. But I I really don't think people would have that issue here. And it's fair play to Kunos for, for nailing it because one of the aspects we discussed offline prior to the pod as well was that the traction control was mandatory because that's the way the sport works. And that's something that could really tick off a lot of people who are interested in sim racing because that element of the motorsport, it's ironic because in the kind of digital world it, it's seen as a admitting defeat almost you had to use the traction control <laughs> rather than trying to handle the car without it but here it's a case of no this is this is how the motorsport works and this is how we want you to drive in the game and in my opinion it's all the better for it because I, I jumped into a random multiplayer lobby I've not done much multiplayer so far but I just had a drive around and it was really refreshing like seeing and maybe this is just because it is PC players in such a niche game Everyone seemed to be a relative skill level in the sense that they could stay on the track, they could battle for lap times, and it just seemed like a nice general atmosphere, and it actually reminded me almost a bit of the way um, GT Sports, like GR4 class works, where it isn't quite at that uber race level where the cars can spin out if you don't uh, handle them correctly, but the cars are just powerful enough and have enough grip that you can get some really exciting racing going. Yeah, um... I, I thought it was interesting how I, I think I started my career and I jumped into an Audi R8 was what I picked as uh, my team's car or what my team's uh, chassis. And it, it defaulted to like, I think the traction control is eight levels. And at first I couldn't actually find the saying for a traction control. I didn't realize it was in, it's in kind of the cartooning options. It's not in the overall difficulty sayings, where, which is where you find stability control. So once I found that, it was at like, I, th I think it was like fully maxed at eight or something like that because there might have been rain in the session. So, th so the game dynamically, uh, I guess if you're going out and it's like, um, a wet you know wet qualifying or something like that it will default to max traction control and then if it's not then it'll be at like five or six so i noticed the a big difference in the handling even between like eight and six um i was able to get the tail out a little bit more when i lowered it uh but when when it was maxed out there was no losing that car like i'm sure i couldn't have been as fast as i wanted to be because obviously you, you need a little bit of rotation there um, but I wasn't going to lose a car at all when the traction control was maxed out, which I was thinking like, 
yeah, this would obviously bother a lot of people, right, for all the reasons you mentioned. But this is a series where traction control is allowed, so it's nice that, I don't know, if you're someone who's uh, kind of learning the ropes, and I would consider myself one of those people because I don't usually play hardcore sims and I'm trying to get into them more, uh, it's, it's nice to know that you can play around with that and be able to achieve a setting where you're not fighting with the car as much during a race because one of the to me one of like the horrifying things and like the barriers to getting into online sim racing multiplayer is that if you have a weak grasp of your vehicle there's no way that you know you could ever be able to race against another person or um, hone your racecraft reliably. You're, you're just going to cause accidents and people are going to hate you. And it's very intimidating. So the game, the physics um, are robust enough to allow you to explore without endangering your fellow competitors, which is definitely a good thing, I would say. Yeah, and it's uh, an area of the, the hardcore sim specifically that has been missing. Um, not to draw too many comparisons to it, but GT Sport understood the requirement to reward people for learning racecraft and giving them a platform to do so through the daily races. And although um, Competizione doesn't go that far, um, it does have a driver rating system in place, but it seems fairly complex. I haven't quite been able to work out exactly what it tracks and what impacts it, but outside of that rating system, it's just... It seems to encourage you to, to have a go purely based on the way the cars handle and the way the races are set up. So that's the other thing about the GT3 series in real life, that the races are a, a fairly decent length that it holds enough attention, but it doesn't kind of venture too much into the endurance category unless it's an explicit endurance race. And I feel that's actually um, pretty handy for the, the career mode because it keeps it relatively fresh. I mean... Um, just to kind of give a bit of information on that career mode it isn't like Formula 1 where they're trying to improve the off the track elements of that game a lot to engage interest so you're building up your team you're getting upgrades, that that isn't in competition at all by the looks of it it's very much as we say that they've kind of started the podcast, it's on the track that matters here, but because the on the track product is so good I, I haven't minded the fact that the off the track stuff has been ignored and this is something that me and you often discuss Adam in games because there's examples of good off the track gameplay elements and then there's bad examples and I'm very much on the side of if you can't do it right don't bother but we've talked about Dirt 4 for example and how like you kind of enjoyed the elements they put in there and were a bit saddened they were removed from Dirt Rally 2 so how do you feel about Assetto's approach was it what you expected from a hardcore sim and you're fine with it or do you feel as if the whole like, create your own team and race thing, like, uh, because it's all about the track, you aren't really that fussed? I think they, I think Kuno said it properly in the set, though. Um, because part of our problem with Dirt Rally 2.0 was that it was very, uh, it was this kind of sheen on top of a career mode where they clearly didn't flesh it out. Codemasters. Uh, I think did go to some pretty great lengths in Dirt 4 to make the career mode, the, the off-track experience, a lot more robust and interesting. And they stripped all of that away from Dirt Rally 2.0 while still ostensibly calling it a career mode and, and <laughs> acting like those elements were part of it even though they weren't. And yeah. and really, all, all it was in 2.0 was just a nuisance. Um, 
which is a shame because as a result, like I have not gone back and played that game in probably like the better part of two months. Um, I I went to a friend's house recently and I played around with some of the DLC, which I don't have the season pass, so I haven't gotten to test out uh, Germany or uh, any of the new cars they've added or Monte Carlo. So I was doing that and I was like, this is a lot of fun. You know, there's there's no doubting Dirt Rally 2.0 is fantastic when you're actually playing it uh, and you're on the stage, but yeah, it, it just seemed a little dishonest to maybe not dishonest, but I, I, I didn't really understand the reason to try and act like this game had a, um, a considerable, you know, single player element when it really didn't. So when I look at it, so of course a competizione and it's, it's very clear. I mean, like there's really not much for you to do outside of move on to the next race, but as you said, you know, the, the on-track product is very good, um, but unlike Dirt Rally 2.0, they, they went for the approach of, well, we're not doing that at all, so we're not going to pretend, you know, we're just, it's just not going to be a factor of the game, which I'm fine with, you know, because um, it's, you know, a lot of people would say that if you're going to add certain functionality to a game and it's not necessarily fleshed out or perfect well if it's not good you don't have to play it like this is the response i get a lot to um for example a lot of the reason i didn't like grand turismo 5 was that i had all this ancillary ancillary crap that i didn't like and people are like well if you don't like the rallying which is terrible don't play it if you don't like the standard cars don't drive them and it's like no that doesn't really fly either like it's a part of this like capsule experience you know it's a part of this produce a package object it's a package and like if every aspect of the if if an aspect of the package isn't up to a certain level of quality i'm not just going to say like oh it doesn't matter because everything else is like it's a comprehensive whole so um with the cell course uh, competizione they kunos definitely does not waste its time with with things it doesn't believe in um it's very focused that said you know it it is a new uh it is a new release a new PC sim in 2019 so there are a couple glitches and things here and there uh that I that I discovered like I thought it was interesting how I accidentally um I guess I sped in the pit lane on like my second race but I don't know where I sped in the pit lane um I wrote about this in my story and basically like I was coming in for my mandatory stop at Zolder and I was able to pit successfully, no problems, uh, but as soon as I tried to leave my stall, I was disqualified. And maybe maybe I was going maybe I was going too fast on the entry, that's entirely possible, but usually my experience is that if you commit an act that causes a penalty, you will be penalized on the spot. So maybe the game was just waiting for my pit stop to be completed before it delivered the penalty. But I was disqualified. It's I was being in the pit lane. I was like, I've barely moved three feet since I since I parked. Like, what's going on? They spun the tires a little bit, so maybe they didn't like that. I don't know. But um, it was really funny. And then, uh, unfortunately, the way the game is right now, you have to wait until the session ends before you can save and continue your career. So I just had to watch cars go around the track for 10 minutes until the race was over. <laughs> I mean that's the that's the difference really between these like proper hardcore PC sims and maybe something that's slightly neutered for console. There's a there's a degree of um, raw simulation in here in the sense that um, you were saying a minute ago about the way the sessions work. There there is no way really to <laughs> skip the session. Um, 
if you're in the middle of a race weekend as it stands at the moment but I've seen people complaining about this you can't actually save a session after qualifying or after practice to do the race you've yeah. got to do it all in the full the full booner which um isn't and exactly that's really <laughs> I would say that's really frustrating because a lot of these Blancpain weekends are two races so yes. if I want to yep. do if I want to do qualifying and then stop there and then pick up race one later, I can't do that. Or if I want to do race one and then wait for race two, I can't do that either. But I, I, I don't think this is a, a conscious decision from Kunos to do this. Or if it was, they've seen that people aren't too happy about it. So um, they're known to support their games really well on PC um, because they can roll out updates when and if they want. So I'm assuming that sort of functionality will be added, but yeah, there's definitely a few rough edges in here. I've got a pretty funny mis- story myself where uh, when I registered my Thrustmaster wheel at first, um, my T150, uh, <laughs> the, the pedals reversed for some reason in terms oh, of no. like, <laughs> the picture. <laughs> so when I started the, the first race, basically, um, of the career mode, <laughs> and I hadn't used the wheel prior to that, my car just like continued on this straight line with full acceleration and because I was on a straight away anyway I assumed it's because my foot was down so it wasn't until I got to the first corner it <laughs> lifted my, my foot off the accelerator <laughs> the car just went straight into the, oh, the, the chicane at Monza it was hilarious um, and yeah and then there was the, the funny thing when I fixed the accelerator the brake pedal did that instead so I had to fix the brake pedal as well um, and there's just there's a, there's a few things like that um, and then what you would expect as well given this is version 1.0 or even version 1.01 now just to, to show how fast they're moving with it um, there, there's been a few hard crash moments like I, I just for a laugh I tried to run a 28 car grid in the pouring rain at Spa on Ultra <laughs> um on my RX 590 <laughs> the game just hard crashed and it was oh, like no. that is not gonna happen <laughs> that's funny and that's just PC gaming though and this is the thing like I will admit I'm a bit of a hypocrite here because when stuff comes to console and that type of thing happens I'm very unforgiving I'm that guy like I just I'm not a fan of stuff that ends up on console that has a lot of crashes or isn't quite got the polish which is one of the reasons why I never got on with the original Seto Corsa funnily enough because I felt as if the port didn't really justify coming to console because it still had a lot of the PC gaming kinks that can't be fixed through mods or through specific settings but on PC like Competizione by comparison to other sims doesn't have a lot of issues because of its clear focus as we've talked about but there are still a few rough edges but I think it's important to note that when it is when you're actually in the zone playing it it's it's brilliant and even we've not really talked about the graphics yet but it's running on Real Engine 4 and it looks all the better for it the, the kind of atmospheric lighting and uh, the, the kind of spray from the weather effects is incredible yeah this is a really really pretty game and it runs really well I have a 1070 card on the PC I just built and uh, a Ryzen um, 7 2700X? I don't know. I I picked out the parts when my friend built my PC because he knows more (laughs) about that stuff than I do. Um, But anyway, I'm able to run the game mostly on Epic, and it's it's gorgeous. I mean, it looks uh, definitely looks better than GT Sport uh, running on my PS4 Pro, and there are a couple frame drops here and there, but it's not the kind of stuff where, like, oh, there's a lot of, like, 
I'm, I'm in the rain and there's a lot of water spray and there's a lot of cars on track where I would think that there would be frame drops. It's more just like I'm the only car on track and there's always a drop around this one. Yeah. So so it might be it might be more optimization level stuff. Your but, team Sonic racing um, problem strikes again. <laughs> right, right. But but it's fun. I mean, like 90 percent of the time it runs really well and uh, and it's beautiful. And, and you were talking a lot about the weather effects uh that that struck you is very impressive when you start playing the game and and i'd have to agree i mean like i i am always disappointed by weather effects in a lot of racing games uh because i'm that guy who constantly beats the drum of and i said this during our uh episode with paul rushinsky that drive club has the best weather effects bar none of any game i've ever played and that still might be true but obviously it's not a simulator um so of course contatione's uh wet weather racing is just fabulous and and a sight to behold and obviously uh very difficult <laughs> oh yeah incredibly difficult we talked about the accessibility but believe me eau rouge in the rain is not for the faint-hearted yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the 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 way the the game renders the the kind of transfer of grip going up that hill is probably one of the best singular moments i've seen in a sim like the car just reacts exactly what you'd expect in a terrifying way and trying to capture that is great and yeah the the weather effects and even the time of day changes as well there's a lot of effort in here and it's great to see i mean one of the things that's really bummed me out of a gt sport is we still don't have those um weather effects and time of day changes yet that, that were seemingly going to come and as a result i think in terms of an overall visual package i say of course Competizione is definitely the better looking of the two even when it comes to lighting which is like polyphony's that's polyphony's home court you don't go after their lighting their lighting engine <laughs> um I, I think Competizione gets really closer or even better in certain circumstances like the the overcast weather especially randomly looks brilliant like it's just clouds but the way they they kind of render the lighting of the cars and the environment it really does look impressive yeah i i would still say that polyphony's lighting is uh is probably unmatched but that said i mean like a cell corsa can can do all these things because it's running on pc hardware um and polyphony is sort of capped so yeah i mean regardless if you want to compare one game to another they're better at different things but ultimately like this is a beautiful game um and it really shows and and i like something you pointed out as we were talking about uh the rain uh before the show was that it it almost kind of does the forza motorsport six thing of and i guess seven as well where um when you when you hit the puddles you have the hydroplaning but it's not that massively drawn out like <laughs> theatrical like yeah oh my god they've gone through a puddle and now the screen is sideways that you get in forza 6 <laughs> it's a lot it's a lot more natural um but you obviously know when you're hydroplaning yeah exactly i always remember in forza 6 the first race you do in the rain i think it's like a historic hot hatch series or something and i was just blown away with how over the top the, the puddles were because I remember them making a huge deal about it at E3, and yeah, no, like, that was one of yeah. the game's big appeals was uh, was the puddles and how they also use the impact triggers on the on the Xbox One controller because you go through the puddle and then you'd feel the trigger vibrate a certain way. And I mean, it's kind of cool. It, it, I mean, I guess because because no game has tried to do that before, but it was also kind of funny because like Forza still to this day does not have dynamic weather, so it's like. 
it's not that having that feature doesn't matter, but I've always been of the mind that weather is only important in how it changes a race. And if yeah. if weather can't roll in halfway through and change the way you strategize, well, then do we really need it in this game? Which is kind of why, like, it hasn't bothered me so much that Gran Turismo Sport doesn't have that feature, simply because clearly the way the lighting's been done in that game it was not designed, uh, at least on the PS4, with uh, with dynamic time of day and weather in mind. It just wasn't. I mean, like, the, the way they've done the different times of day that you can race in that game, all of the shadow information stuff is built, is, is baked in. It's not necessarily real-time shadows. So um, so I understand that. But, yeah, I mean, that, that just that just makes you appreciate it all the more when you go and play you play a game like a set of courses that can handle all of these things. And, you know, obviously it's a huge part of the GT3 Blancpain series because you're dealing with endurance races. So, um, so, yeah, it all checks out. Yeah, and like we've kind of iterated as well, this is just... Um, this is us experiencing our first brand new released PC sim. Yeah, this is kind of a new ground for us because... I mean, our last episode was about Team Sonic Racing, so it's kind of funny how this show just goes from one extreme to another. <laughs> but, I mean, that's, yeah. what, that's what it's all about. I mean, we play everything. Uh, and growing up, I didn't have a lot of exposure with PC uh, sims simply because I, I didn't play games on a PC, literally until, like, two months ago. So, uh, you know, I'll, over the years I've written about or I've talked about games or something like that, like, I, I have that, like, Mirror Mode series on GT Planet, and somebody will be like, why don't you write about, like, Richard Burns Rally? And I'm just like, I'd love to, but I can't. I, I never played that game before, and now maybe I can, I can do something about that. But in the past, I couldn't. Yeah, so uh, on that note, what do you think? I mean, I don't, uh, to be honest, I'm not super familiar with Kunos uh, and how they operate. What would you like to see in terms of maybe not so much post release content, but like things for them to prioritize as they continue to support the game after it comes out? Well, one of the, the kind of big things they've already committed to is the um, 2019 update for the game, which will bring all the content from the 2019 Block Ball series across. And I would like to see that used as a bounce board, almost like Spec 2.0 of Gran Turismo 5 at the time, where they they kind of appreciably enhanced a lot of what the game actually offered. And I'd like to see the same here. The career mode is um, good for its purpose, but outside of an opening cutscene at the very start of the game, which does set the tone pretty nicely, it doesn't really carry that atmosphere forward any further. So I'm not sure, maybe just tweaks in that regard. like most sims, it's a bit barren outside of the racetrack in terms of atmosphere, so if they could find ways of making it feel more like a race event rather than just a sim, that'd be helpful as well. 
I think that's fair enough, you know, a 2019 update uh, to start would be fantastic, and as someone who's used to console games, you know, I, I have to admit, like, I do like some of that sheen and polish and, and unnecessary, sort of unnecessary stuff uh, off the track, but um, at the same time, I understand that it's not what this game is, and it's fine. I mean, honestly, I get enough of a kick out of how before you start the race in this game, uh, you can actually hear like commentators talking over the PA system at the track, yeah, which having really cool. been to yeah. a handful of races in my life, that's like such a, that that's something that I always associate with being in the, in a racetrack atmosphere is hearing, I don't know, John Hindar, whoever it is over, over the PA system at the track, talking to somebody. And it just, it just puts you in the mindset, in the, in the place of being at the, at the track. So I, I think that's a cool little touch that they that they left in this game. Yeah, definitely. It's good to see that they they have paid some attention to that at the moment, and any other changes and that extra bit of polish would be well appreciated as well. And even on the the subject of sound, we we haven't covered how accurate that the sound design is here for the cars. It sounds incredible. Like when you're in the cockpit, and you can just hear all the different rattles and stuff around you, and the the way the engine reacts to harsh braking and stuff, it's just, um, it's its one of the best sounding racing games I've played in a long time. Yeah, in a lot of cases, I'm not ever really impressed with engine noise in games, where, where I find that the sound profile sort of uh, uh, surprises me and interests me is in all of those little things that you hear aside from the engine noise, like the way the car sounds when it picks up marbles and goes over the curbs and things like that and like the uh, the drive train line and whatnot and and the South Course of Competency only totally nails all of those things. I mean my friends kind of make fun of me because I I would always say that I never really cared about the fact that Gran Turismo's audio was so poor and they'd be like well do you not have ears like do you not understand I'm just like no I'm just like I just don't care like to be honest like okay cars sound like a vacuum cleaner I'm I like music, and I'm just always listening to music, so I really don't care. Uh, and then I'll I'll go to a race with them, and they'll they'll be able to tell what car is coming around the corner if we go like a not different than Blancpain actually, because uh, we used to go to the uh, IMSA races uh, in the U.S. But we'd be at a race at Lime Rock Park, and and they would know whether it was a Corvette or a 911 coming around the corner, which. In retrospect, is not that difficult to tell. I mean, there's a small block V8 is totally different than the flat six. But when I went there and I couldn't tell, they were just the base. They're like, how do you, how can you not tell between these two cars just based on sound alone? <laughs> so I don't know. I, I think growing up, like uh, video games gave me sort of a poor, um, uh, a poor idea of the way racing actually sounds and the way cars actually sound at speed. And and it's only after playing games like Assetto Corsa. And even Project Cars has had some pretty good sound design as well uh, that I've been able to appreciate that and, and listen for it now. And Assetto Corsa, definitely, definitely if you have a good pair of, uh, of headphones for your computer or like a good gaming headset, like it's a, it's a fantastic, like totally surrounding, you know, audio experience. And that's what's made the difference for me as well. Like when I when I play on my TV, I'm not really that bothered. I'm quite like yourself, Adam. Um, even if I'm playing on the monitor with speakers, as long as it sounds good, that's fair enough. But it's been through using the the headphones that I've got like a, a decent set and hearing 
the way that the sound is modelled across almost like a 3D plane. Like that that's what makes the difference here. It's just hearing the, the marbles like you say when you go over a slight curb, it isn't like the kind of overbearing brrrr noise that would typically be in racing games. You yeah. actually hear like the slight vibrations. Um and when oh man, driving in the rain is so cathartic. <laughs> like you're just chilled out to the max sometimes when you hear that the rain kind of bouncing off the roof while you're controlling this 800 horsepower beast <laughs> but like it's just it's it's a good driving experience in, in, the, in terms of the sound design and that weather. Yeah I also wanted to bring up you, you were impressed by the way that the game handles um, sort of the in car the cockpit view I guess mostly based on the the rotation of the wheel because a lot a lot of other racing games sort of dampen it or lessen it and it's not actually one-to-one but in the set of course of Competizione it is and I think that's more of like a it's more of a PC sim thing right than than anything else but still still you know contributes the experience yeah exactly as someone who is a, a console peasant for so long <laughs> not my words that's the PC master race talking um <laughs> Like it was, it was interesting to see that in the cockpit because it wasn't something I was used to. Um, and then even when you use that combined with the kind of you get different camera views, and one of them's from inside the driver's helmet, and that looks incredibly realistic at times when you've got that like race car restricted um, front window. You're trying to drive the car through these tight corners and amongst cars. When you combine with how realistic the wheel looks as it moves, with the sound. And just the general feeling of claustrophobia you can get in certain corners, such as Monza's famous um, first few corners, you do get that experience that this is a game that was made to accurately reflect the driving as much as possible, and not something that maybe some would see as a bit buzzwordy in the driver journey. This is actually about the driver itself, because when you're driving these cars, it is it's it's easy to forget sometimes that. It's a simulation because everything you expect to happen in the car does happen as far as I'm concerned. It's 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 one of the most accurate sims I've played and I, I don't mean that in the sense of difficulty that you would show off that you can drive in it, but in the sense that this is a car and it, it kind of reacts to the road the way you would expect even when you're driving like a, a, what is basically a, a supercar essentially that's been tuned for the, the Blunt Paul series. Yeah, it's funny you bring up the cockpit view, like from inside the driver's helmet, because that's the helmet cam is a one thing that I'm kind of surprised in this game because it it does seem pretty like theatrical and yeah over dramatic, yeah. which doesn't does. necessarily gel with the whole you know realistic simulation vibe. Um, also, the the amount of time I've tried to play in that view is just like it's almost like. Um, driving with like drunk goggles on or something like that like because your your head is moving in a totally i mean okay i've never actually driven a car like this but like it's pretty exaggerated like when you go through a corner of all of a sudden you're like your plane of your field of vision is like drifting out towards the left it's, it it becomes a little disconcerting so that was something that i very quickly had to avoid um and the one-to-one steering it's. I imagine it's great if you have a wheel. I actually don't like it simply because if you're using a controller, and I understand again this game is not made for me, but if you're using a controller, it can be very, very, um, uh, just overwhelming visually. 
to see yeah, something yeah. spinning in front of you constantly. I mean, I understand that that's actually what's happening in the car, so it's fine. But I was I was very impressed with the abilities that they give you uh, to customize where you position the camera in every single view. And I was even able to achieve like this chase cam, which a lot of, I, I'm very picky about things like this, but uh, in a lot of racing games, I feel like today the chase cam just isn't right. And I was able to get it exactly how I wanted uh, through the preferences in the game. So I've got my chase cam set up the way I want. I've got the interior cam and the, the view from basically on top of the bumper, but still outside the car or on top of the hood. So all of that I think is really important for uh, to make you feel as comfortable as, as you want to in the car, which you, you won't be able to perform as, as well as you can unless that's the case. Yeah, exactly. And you'll have to share those settings with me because it sounds like um, you've come on to a winner there because the, the default chase cam for me, or rather just behind the car cam, if we're going to be honest, um, it's a bit rigid for my liking. Um, it kind of follows GT Sport more than say um, Forza for example that has a bit more kind of pan to the car but yeah um, the, the kind of the fact you can customize that's great on a kind of similar note but as a more negative aspect I do feel as if the heads-up display is a little bit overbearing in this game there's and a lot yeah yeah lot. exactly there's a lot of information and then if you go into the kind of seasonal time trials that are available as well the special events I think they're called You've got a, you've got a mini leaderboard as well, taking up even more space, in that scenario. And you can remove certain elements, but they seem tied to each other. So sometimes, if you turn off one element, it will turn off another. You might not have wanted to have seen disappear. And even uh, surprisingly, from what I can tell, you can't actually change where the HUD elements are displayed on the screen, which is a bit of a surprise because, as far as I know, um, that's something you can do in a Seto Corsa, even on the console. I think that's something a lot of PC sims actually give you the ability to do. E even Project Cars on the PS4 gives you the ability to, to move elements around the screen. I, I think the issue with the HUD in this game, and it's something I've always been very mindful of because I, I really appreciate graphic design things like that, is that it isn't very efficient in terms of the way it uses space. Like, if you think about all of the information that Polyphony crams into your screen when you play GT Sport... I mean, it's, it's a ton of stuff, but they use the space pretty efficiently. Now, there are a lot of people who complain that even that game is overbearing, and, and I understand, like, it can be a little overwhelming, but I think they, they maximize the information that you want on the screen and the fact that all of it is necessary, but it doesn't take up too much room, whereas in this game, uh, towards the bottom left, you kind of have, have the uh, timing and scoring, and it's just a lot of space devoted to the timing and scoring, which... And like it doesn't need to be that big. Yeah, um, yeah exactly. And then on the opposite side of the screen, uh, the opposite corner, the top right, you have, as you touched on earlier, you have your safety ratings and things like that. But the thing is, there are so many abbreviations and so many numbers. I have no idea what half these ratings are. Like, I, I okay, I know what my safety rating is, but like, what are the other five things that are apparently denoted on that corner of the screen? I have no idea. So, <laughs> it would be nice if it was a little bit more. Um, if it was communicated in a little bit more of an elegant fashion, but again, the, these are things that I'm I'm willing to uh, look the other way on, given the premise of the game and given that we are talking about a, a PC title. 
Um, but nevertheless, it's something that if they wanted to iterate upon it and improve it in future updates, I, I would have no problem with that. <laughs> yeah, that top right of the screen for me, it's it's just it's just gibberish as far as I'm concerned. Um, that's what I was hinting at earlier when I was talking about the driver ratings. I know it's related to that because sometimes the numbers change if you're driving clean, that type of thing. But the game doesn't go out its way to explain that to you. And even more more offensive from a design point of view, the numbers are always visible, all of them in the top corner. It's not as if if one changes it flashes up in the top corner, and maybe that would have been a better way of doing it. But it just seems as if there's a lot of real estate up there to stuff that, I mean, it doesn't have to be on the screen at all times, maybe. I mean, you could even get an update in the pause menu or after a race to show you the differences. But it feels like it's just another layer on top of the, the content on the screen. If you play with the camera view that has the rear view mirror as well, it's like this oh, tiny box in the middle. <laughs> you can see yep. what you're actually looking at in terms of driving. But there's so much stuff. And even when you're, um, your kind of race chief's talking to you and stuff, it comes up with subtitles at the bottom. So you lose a bit of that. And... Um, yeah, I get it. There's a lot of information to display, especially in a game that's trying to replicate a, a real-life motorsport series, which has its kinks it needs to show. But there, there's a lot of stuff here, and um, I mean, it's not all bad. That that sounds really negative because I like the fact you've got a constantly live um, kind of lap time differentiator as well. So you can see exactly where you're losing time and where exactly you're gaining it. But that's one of those things that looks cool, but when you consider the way that racing works, you are going to lose some time at certain parts of the track, so it just seems as if it's taking space up just for the sake of it. Yeah, plus, I mean, let's not forget that people are playing mostly with wheels, uh, and wheels usually have a lot of buttons to be able to access different functions and things like that and on top of that you know some people even have their setup where they've got their keyboard uh nearby so there are ways that you could have almost like a gt sports uh, multi-function display where you've got a corner of the screen that will display uh, timing and scoring and then it will display your lap time if you move over one and then it might give you your your tcs or something like that and then it'll change to a radar like gran turismo does a lot of these things and i i understand it's not the only game but it's the one i think that does it the best and it lets you you know customize the experience to again what makes you comfortable and what doesn't take your attention away from the the task at hand so all of these things are would be great if if uh kunos would care to implement them but I, I feel like the nature of the PC sim is that customizability is desired to a certain extent, but it's it's not about being slick, and, and I understand that. I mean, this is this is going to be like a super Adam on time extend nitpick, uh, but it does bother me whenever I start playing a game and I'm like, you're using Google's Roboto font, which is the same <laughs> font, which is the same font that is used... <laughs> in both Project Cars and pretty much all of Codemasters' recent racing games are in F1. And it, I'm just like, would you uh. maybe just like... It's like when you go to like write up a document or something like that. Or you know, if you're in college, if you're doing a school project, or if you're... I don't know, if you're writing a resume or something like that. Like, just change the font from like, Arial. Like, I know it it's not totally necessary and it might not matter to everybody, but just to show that you put a little bit of thought into it, just, just change it from the free font. I don't know. Yeah. Just use comic sans. Yeah, exactly. Use comic sans. <laughs> it's, 
If they use Comic Sans, at least it would have been like, yeah, they thought about it. They didn't just like use what what they look at every day on their phone. But that's me. I know nobody wants to hear that. So, I mean, it's those type of things people do want to hear in Time Extendo. Like it's we talk about this stuff because those tiny little elements added up to one of the best arcade racing games ever, for example. And um, Gran Turismo's level of polish makes it so look so loved. And I know that's not what a competizione is trying to do at all. Like it's not trying to make us think, oh remember how great that font was. <laughs> but like it, it helps and this is why bringing this up isn't necessarily a negative because I feel as if if you've had to go to the level of a nitpick to kind of give a, a proper complaint about the polish they have so far, it shows that they've actually put a, a decent amount of care in, maybe an amount you wouldn't have expected. I mean, I'm not sure if that's what you did expect coming into the game, but in terms of the overall presentation and the way it's set up, it, it's, it's one of the better sims out there, for sure. I mean, I have to say, like when you're selecting your car, uh, they have a really great system of you choose the car, and then you choose the team, and then you choose the uh, the number, you know, basically the the entrant, uh, and then that will show you the drivers that are linked to that entrant, and that's such a great way of drilling down, uh, because if there's anything that uh, annoys, I think a lot of racing game fans and, and sim racing fans is that every separate livery of a car in Gran Turismo is registers a different car, and that's not doing anybody any favors except maybe the car count so i like that it's like oh i want to drive a nissan gtr okay here are all of the nissan gtrs from the various different uh blanc pond uh the different yeah. years that they ran and whatnot and i also think it's cool that th they'll have different years of of chassis of a car as well so i noticed that they have like the 2015 GT, uh, nismo gtr and then they have that like the cool. 2017 yeah. one or something so Stuff like that is really cool, and um, you know, obviously, it helps now that we live in a in a time where Ferrari and Porsche are not as stingy about their licenses as they used to be. So this game has like has every car, you know, and, and have obviously is a full license for Blancpain, so it has all the teams and stuff, which is pretty cool. Yeah, definitely, and um, I mean that is the thing we were talking about bo boosting the car count and it kind of brings it back to that main point that we aren't saying that this game is the best sim out there for everybody because uh, I see just as a reference point I seen somebody on Facebook comment on Seto Corsa's page like GT3 cars are boring <laughs> it's like why did you buy this fucking yeah, it's game like, in the first just place? don't play the game like that's if it's boring it's like complaining about the fact that NASCAR sucks and you've bought NASCAR Heat 2018 or whatever. <laughs> Just don't do it. Yeah, I mean, even though the name doesn't explicitly include the Blank Pound series, which is a bit of a surprise, to be well, honest. Well, no, it kind of um, does, because, like, right underneath the logo, it says the official yeah, Blanc sure. GT series game. <laughs> I mean, it, it does say that, but, like, what I meant was, like, they haven't been, like, kind of forced to call it Blank Pound GT3 or anything like that. It's very much an Assetto Corsa game, so I think that the people complaining are those people that absolutely love the original, and they, they see this as the second Assetto Corsa. Now, that might be the case, um, but in terms of getting an experience like Assetto Corsa, I'm sure Kunos aren't done with that side of things, but in this game, they wanted to create a focused racing sim, and they do it, and uh, I mean, this is... 
if you're having an Adam nitpick, I'm going to have a, a Brendan hot take that you would expect to find on Time Extend <laughs> by saying that this is very much a sim racer made for people who love arcade racers and not in the sense of the handling but just in terms of the content and where you'll find longevity and replayability because you've only got like 11 tracks and a, a, a certain amount of cars that are, is probably pretty small by most game standards but you're getting that kind of focused experience that'll keep you coming back for more and that's the difference between an Assetto Corsa Competizione and Dirt Rally 2.0 for example because what Assetto is trying to achieve it does it very well and there's scope to improve whereas when Dirt Rally 2.0 came out it felt as if it was lacking in certain areas and there was also a a worry that they wouldn't fix it up especially when certain elements of that were confirmed such as DLC not being in the career mode and stuff like that the difference is right now, Competizione does a great job of what it's trying to achieve with the GT3 series. And who knows, if in a time extended episode in a year's time we revisited the game, I'm willing to bet that it, it could only have improved by then. Yeah, and we have a lot of racing games now that try to cater to fans of, of every single type of discipline. And you've got your road cars and your race cars, you have... Group C cars from the 90s and the 80s, and then you've got your GT3 cars and your your hybrid prototypes. Like a lot of games do this, you know. Project Cars does it. So of course, a one did it. Forza and Gran Turismo do it, arguably to a less realistic extent, but they still do. You know, it's really refreshing to see a game that just tries to do one thing that isn't F1 because it just doesn't happen anymore. It used to happen all the time. Like growing up, you know, you. you like as we were saying, as I uh, started the show, you had your Toka games and whatnot, and uh, but but there was I think a shift around the time, probably towards the end of the last decade, with grid and whatnot, when maybe the racing genre was sort of seeing a downturn, or or not so much a downturn, but games became a lot more expensive to make. So it's like, well, if nobody's going to make the dedicated GTR experience, well then. You know, if nobody can afford to make that, if games are very expensive and and whatnot, then I guess we just we should just try and roll in as many licenses into one title as possible, and that's how you end up with stuff like GT5, which is like literally <laughs> yeah. overflowing with various licenses and doesn't use any of them well at all. Which is why when we have our Gran Turismo discussion, GT5 has to finish last. There's just no question about it. Mm. But um. <laughs> but, that, but that's another topic. But yeah, so it, I I love to see games like uh, like Competizione exist, and and I hope we see more of them. You know, I I didn't realize that Blancpain GT had kind of become like the prevailing GT3 series around the world. I mean, there is still there is still an FIA GT3, right? But this isn't it. So I yeah, it's I think it's kind of strange um, that the uh, the series that. Is most associated with the with the watchmaker has become the one that I guess matters the most. But racing is always changing, so it's that I think uh, at least some of it comes down to that accessibility. We've been kind of hammering home throughout the whole pod, like because of the wide range of competitors, you you end up with some crazy crashes that go go viral on YouTube and stuff, and then. You get the driver success story. Somebody appears out of nowhere and absolutely blitzes the series. Like there's, there's a lot of potential for drama. Whereas maybe in the FIA GT3 series, it's that very much kind of closed door type of racing where it is all great drivers. But maybe 
ironically that's to the detriment of trying to get that success that Blunt Pound has and um, yeah it, it, I mean I, I can't believe this game exists to be honest <laughs> why, why is that? why is that? just in the sense that I mean you think about the racing genre and if you look at the first few episodes of Time Extend we talked at length about how the rally game was the crutch it's easy to make a rally game of any capacity, sim, arcade, whatever it would be, like it was, it was a good way to generate some sales, and it seemed like the safe bet. And then, like outside of Gran Turismo Sport, um, some of the other kind of more ra- circuit racing focused games were starting to see downturns in sales. Um, Formula One, as you've mentioned, being the only kind of main licensed game getting a lot of sales, because even in WRC, which is rally itself that doesn't experience great sales it just keeps plugging on based on European interest I think and like out of nowhere a small indie developer at the time in Kunos get the license to work on a Blackpool GT3 game and it won't be some cash in that's released within a year or a project that's announced never sees the light of day but it will be an ambitious but incredibly focused Unreal Engine 4 powered circuit racing game like when you think about it like that you've got to admit it's it's pretty impressive really no that's true because for so long we were dealing with these licensed racing games that were god awful i mean like i i guess people are are fond of the wrc series now but wherever the wrc series went after evolution studios had it was terrible and that that game those games won't get good for a number of years um we've had awful nascar games i mean i'm I'm not into nascar so i don't play them but they're usually pretty bad uh made by developers who don't really appreciate the source material of what they're trying to do so so yeah no that 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 makes total sense like um it's definitely the perfect match of the studio and the development talent that's interested in this in this franchise and you know the the right franchise to find a home it's it's a very it's a very good match uh i think we all had similar feelings i remember i was so stoked when i learned at this point 10 years ago which is crazy to think about that f1 was landing at codemasters because it just seemed so perfect like i mean not that sony liverpool did a terrible job with it but um it had stopped releasing games for a number of years and then not all of those games would come out in all parts of the world. So in the U.S., we would never get F1 games. We would never get WRC games, and that sucked. And now, thanks to uh, the internet and distribution becoming a lot easier, I can play any game that releases anywhere, and and it's a beautiful thing. So uh, maybe you know, maybe this is a a sign of of things to come. And I'm sure people who, in terms of you know, getting more specialized racing games. I'm sure people who did like the first Assetto Corsa will will get, you know, a true Assetto Corsa sequel in due time. Because, I mean, look at Grid. That's always what seems to happen, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just let let us have our hyper-focused racing game for once. It's been a while. Yeah. <laughs> and I hope in some capacity it does make it to consoles. I understand right now it's pretty much a no-go um, because of how good the game looks plus the physics engine but if rumours about the PS5 and the next box which I'll just call it for now um, <laughs> are to be believed then they're going to be pretty powerful machines and I, I think there'll be a, a community interested in this game because I don't know if you read the reviews of like Assetto Corsa when it first came out on the consoles 
but seeing like kind of main outlets trying to review that sim as a game was just like it was an absolute uh, it's an absolute bomb site basically because yeah. rightfully enough they were like uh where is this where is that like kind of common console racer elements it just wasn't there but i can imagine something like this doing incredibly well in terms of reviews because well people who don't play racing games will be able to drive the cars which is always a positive um I, and it's it's got gameplay elements to it too. yeah i think this will definitely see a console release in due time i I mean, the fact that consoles today are more like PCs than they've ever been, and the fact that next generation is coming, you know, we're probably less than two years out from it now, and when it does arrive, those are those systems are going to be, in some ways, actually more sophisticated than a lot of the, PC, the PCs you see now, if you've been paying attention to what Sony intends to do with, um, with fast storage and... Um, was it UFS4 or whatever, basically just making it so it can stream insane amounts of data at one time. So, um, yeah, I, I think this will, if it doesn't happen this generation, it'll happen next generation. And I think that that's a good way to close it. Um, it's close our thoughts, I should say. We, we've we talked at length about this game for a full hour, an hour bordering on t- 10 minutes. And I think that highlights that it does meet some of that criteria we consider special because there are a lot of racing sims out there that try to do the same thing and there's plenty of great content creators that cover that off in terms of like the physics and stuff and go into levels of detail we probably couldn't fathom but in terms of the stuff we look for in games like you've said competition is definitely along that lines and that's why we were eager to get this pod out as well like even though we recorded one last week and it's a busy june we felt as if this is a game that, while it's still got that kind of release hype, that we, we should talk about because it, it does actually hit all the points that if you look, if you listen to every pod from the start, it, it pretty much it's on the right wavelength of what we want to see going forward in the racing genre. Almost a, a reset to the, the focused times, but you also get those adventurous games like Gran Turismo and Forza as well. Yeah, I mean, it's not ultimately if you're a type of person who doesn't enjoy sim racing i can't definitively say that you should go out and play this game it is a sim racer but i would say that if you're interested in dabbling in sim racing i think what kunos has done is probably the perfect place to start i mean this game doesn't overwhelm you and inundate you with content and all these different disciplines it's very focused it's go gt3 racing you know that's basically it so if you're new to sim racing if you want to try it i think competizione is the perfect starting point or as perfect the starting point as there's ever been um obviously it would help when it lands on consoles but if you have a pc right now and also the game i think is a little bit cheaper at least at the time when it came out i think it was like 10 or 15 dollars cheaper um as part of the launch so uh if you're interested in, in dipping your toes into this genre i think it's a good starting point for sure and it's it's only going to get more updates from here that will hopefully make it a better experience too all right uh yeah so that was uh that was a fun little discussion and as we said before you know we've got busy june so we probably won't see you again until july um but the year is the year is going so fast um like i said i I think i i was talking on gt plant to somebody or something like that and i said you know before we know it's gonna be september grid's gonna be here so uh and we only do like two shows a we only do like two shows a month anyway, so in like five episodes we're gonna be talking about <laughs> Grid. Oh man. 
and we do have a lot planned as well in the pipeline at the moment. Um, we, we did formally announce our new feature. We'll be hoping to get to as well. Um, seven out of ten racers would drive again. <laughs> um, Great name, by the and way. And we've still got. Oh, thanks, man. I knew you'd like it. <laughs> and, uh, we've also got Sega Racing Studio. We will play every Dreamcast racing game, of course. Uh, we want to do another top 10 as well, don't we, soon? Or rather, top list of games in the series. The Ridge Racer one was very fun. Um, well, yeah, we are we want to do another one. There's also the uh, Gran Turismo uh, yeah. fight, publicized <laughs> live podcast fight that we're going to have amongst us and some people from GTP. So there's there's a lot that's that's going to happen that we have to cram into this summer. So to, to fill the void of... I don't really think there's any other racing game to look forward to until Grid, so that that's why yeah. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> just but just um, if if you need your time extend fix, we we do come in spirit with every pre-owned Dreamcast on eBay. So buy a Dreamcast on eBay and just play through the games you might have not played through on there. Specifically, Le Mans 24 Hour or Adam will get very sad. That's true. If you tweet us a picture of your dreamcast um and the copy of lama 24 uh we will retweet it that's just part and parcel <laughs> of what we do we are legally obliged to retweet it so feel free i like that <laughs> <laughs> all right everybody uh thanks again and we'll see you in the coming weeks cheers guys cheers.